0: The first reading is from the book of Daniel, beginning in the 10th tenth ch- tenth chapter, beginning in the first verse. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar, and the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks, I ate no delicacies. No meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the twenty-fourth day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river—that is, the Tigris—I lifted up my eyes and looked. And behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Ufaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning. and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The word of the Lord. Someone asked me
1: just yesterday, do I ever get uh, nervous coming to the scriptures or preaching and in particular speaking in front of people and uh, I sure I don't really get nervous anymore but I do tremble and I tremble because as Daniel did in verse 10 when you come before the Lord you come before his word you want to get it right and I tremble as we come before his word that we would, as we study it together, get it right. And that's what we'll seek to do together today as we come before his word together. And friends, as we do that today, uh, and we encounter this, the 10th chapter of Daniel, we'll discover that God He is still speaking to us. Well, as we dig in, let me start with these couple of questions. Have you ever made plans and had them interrupted, right? Uh, And then later, be truly humbled because you acknowledge later on you are grateful for the change, right? Maybe you missed a flight. Maybe you were sick. Maybe you didn't get the job. Maybe a relationship that you'd hoped for uh, didn't work out. Or maybe uh, something else. Maybe it was even something harder. Maybe more than just an interruption, it was a heartache. Something that broke your heart. Maybe it still breaks your heart. Maybe you're still waiting to feel good about that interruption in your life because it's been so hard. Or maybe it's the converse. Maybe it's you. You got what you wanted. You met your goal. And it didn't do what you thought it would do. It didn't produce what you thought it would produce in your life. Well, as we encounter Daniel in prayer, he's in prayer, he's in fasting in chapter 10, and he's in mourning. He is actually in some ways a little bit of both. He recognizes that God's interruption in his life uh, is, is better than he could have imagined. God is doing something greater than he even asked for or even knew he wanted. And he's also not exactly happy about the prayer that's just been answered because it's being answered in a way that he didn't expect You see, this is taking place at the time of Cyrus the king, his third year. At this point in history where we discover and encounter Cyrus, it's when God's people are actually being released from exile. They're going back to Israel. They're going back to their homeland. And you'd think this would be a joyous occasion. But if you remember, some of you who were with us last year studying the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, and we discovered that the elders, when they got back, they were actually grieving. Grieving because what had happened and what had transpired was something they didn't expect They didn't expect their homeland to be in shambles. And so many scholars think that what Daniel was mourning and grieving were the reports of those who had gone back. You see, by this time, Daniel, in this chapter, was probably, uh, when we met him, he was a teenager, right? Making a, a resolve for his faith, a great example for us our whole life now we find him in chapter 10, probably in his late 80s or, or 90s. He's not able to make the trip back. But he gets the report and he finds out that the report is not good. In fact, the glory of days of old, uh, it's, there's no glory at all. It's just destruction. And so he's mourning and he's praying and he's fasting even though his prayer had been answered, and by the way, we know his prayer was answered uh, because Cyrus himself reports it in uh, historical documents that we found outside of the Bible. So not only does the Bible say it's happened from the prophets and from Daniel, but we hear this corroboration in history. This is something uh, on the screen called the, the Cyprus Cylinder. This cylinder is a recording of history where Cyrus himself says, I returned the images of the gods to the sacred centers on the other side of the Tigris whose sanctuaries had been abandoned for a long time and let them dwell in eternal abodes. I gathered all the inhabitants and returned them to their dwellings. He's returning the Israelites to their home and he is celebrating himself in the midst of it. And in that celebration, it corroborates God's holy word. Not that the word wouldn't be true without the corroboration, but isn't it gracious that God shows us the truth of his word through all of these different places in history? This book of Daniel was not written first to us. But nonetheless, it bears a message for us, as one scholar, Brian Irwin, and and another Tim Perry write. Namely, that God's people ought to navigate a world that is foreign and not naturally inclined toward the will of God. And how do we do that? Well, that's what we've been asking these 10 weeks. How do we live out our faith in this secular world? And we live it out first and foremost by trusting his word. Even when prayers are answered in ways we don't expect, You see, Daniel was hoping that God would answer his prayer like he thought he would. God did answer his prayer, and even more than he could have imagined, but in ways that he didn't expect. It's not unlike us. We like to be in control. We like to be in control of our future, right? In fact, you can just turn on uh, uh, your streaming device and find... Uh, fiction story after fiction story, whether it's by Marvel or DC, about the multiverse and in control of the future or, or time branches that we uh, cut off or keep. But this is no multiverse. This is God's universe. This is His kingdom. And we aren't in control, He is. And his word reminds us of that, and Daniel is reminded of that, and it leads him to pray. It leads us to remember that there's something more, though, that Daniel is about to learn in this vision, especially when it comes to chapter 12. That this vision, and as we prayed for it in that Anglican prayer this morning already, will promise and let us know that the hope of everlasting life is coming. And we'll hear that in chapter 12 in just a few moments. And this hope that the Pharisees of Jesus' time believed that the resurrection would come, and they would debate with the Sadducees who believed that there was no resurrection. And as my Old Testament professor would say, uh, "The Sadducees not believing in the resurrection, that's why they were sad, you see. Had to share it. This truth has been proclaimed not just in the New Testament, but in the Old. This promise proclaimed here in Daniel is for us yet still today. And in this, the longest of visions that is received by Daniel in these three chapters, it is certainly apocalyptic writing, which means an unveiling. And what is being unveiled is an everlasting life. I like how C.S. Lewis talks about it in his Chronicles of Narnia in the book, The Last Battle. He says this. He says that after their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been, it turns out, it had only been the cover. They'd only been the living, the cover and the, and the title page. Of the story, but now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth had read, which goes on forever, goes on forever, and which every chapter is better than the one before. So as we walk on this earth, as we follow the Lord in great resolve, we walk just in the cover the story of our lives here is just the cover and the title page the the first chapter yet to be unfolded and read for us which will be greater than we can even imagine is life everlasting and this is the promise this is the promise that daniel heard in this vision and this is the promise that allows us to make a confession of faith, as many of you will today. To hold fast to that confession of faith from, as Daniel did, from teenager to age 90 and beyond. Because of this promise, this story yet to be read. This is the promise that God has for us in Daniel. So as Pastor Hector Sanchez Asked of this text he said what does Daniel know and what does Daniel do so let's review this word with those two questions in mind what does Daniel know we discover here in chapter 10 that Daniel knows that this life that we live this life that's unfolding and a chapter yet to be read is a spiritual battle it's not just a physical one A spiritual battle that impacts the physical to be sure. But we are walking in a world with a spiritual battle. And we're introduced to spiritual beings in this text in chapter 10. Angels. Cosmic powers. God himself in what's called, as theologians call it, a theophany, where Jesus shows up in the Old Testament, the pre-incarnate Christ, the divine one, the man in linen we heard about. A man in linen. Comparable to what we hear in Ezekiel chapter 1, the God of, and his cherubim. and Revelation chapter 1, as we read several weeks ago, the, the, glory, the glorified Jesus, the Christ, This divine one, this God shows up. He shows up and he's present there with Daniel, even in the midst of trials. And there will be this is the next thing he knows there will be difficult days. When we take a stand for our faith, there will be difficult days. But those difficult days won't thwart God's plans. Because it's not a time branch, not a multiverse, but God's universe. And his kingdom, he is in control. And we might ask when things are hard, as Daniel sometimes did in this text, God, do you even love me? Why are you letting this happen to me? This is harder than I thought it would be, more difficult than uh, even I had imagined life would be. Do you? Are you there? Are you with me? Do you love me? And what we see in Daniel and what we see in Jesus as He comes to walk among us, He He shows up. In fact, He says it here in Daniel: "Daniel, you are loved." And he says it to you. You are greatly loved. And how do we know that? Because he shows up. It doesn't mean you aren't loved when bad things happened. In fact, we remember when we look to the cross that Jesus is with us. Let me pause for a moment and make note of something Daniel doesn't know. And sometimes Faithful Christians who come to Daniel chapter 10 uh, and have a high view of the scripture and want to follow it faithfully, they look at it and uh, we're tempted to see it as not only a revelation of what God will do, but as a calendar. And when we treat Daniel chapter 10 and 11 and 12 as a calendar, then we Begin to do what Jesus warned us not to do. He said, uh, you will not know the time in which I will come. And and don't even bother uh, uh, trying to figure it out. He gave us hints of what to look for when the end time will come. But even the Son of Man didn't know. And although we can see from a calendar looking back what God has done... He doesn't tell us to use it as a calendar to pick when he will complete his promise. Uh, One scholar I heard or listened to uh, in a book this week wrote this that really caught my attention. He said a single statistic helps put the value of end times date setting in perspective. In over 2,000 years of history of the church, the accuracy of end time predictions has been exactly zero percent, right? Zero. Now, when we look back on the calendar, we can see the fulfillment of God's promises. But he hasn't told us when all this will happen. But he does tell us assuredly that it will Take place, And we can trust the word, not only because it's corroborated in history, but because he has kept his promises. We've seen it. The Messiah has come. Daniel was mourning a previous glory of how it had been. And it was a painful mourning. And it should be mourned. And yet... God was also giving him a glory yet to be revealed. A glory of everlasting life. But at that time, your people in chapter 12 shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book of life. We read in Daniel. We read in this book, in the book of life in Revelation. And here we hear, and we keep reading in Daniel chapter 12 to everlasting life. And by the way, right there in those verses if we keep reading in chapter 12 it's good for us to know especially in these days when we turn on the news and see evil before us and wonder will will God ever bring justice and truth and protect the innocent he promises not only will he bring everlasting life here in the beginning of chapter 12 he also promises his sure and Justice as well. So God can hold this in His hands. And who does it? We read it here in chapter 10, the one left alone. Andrew Steinman, a professor of Hebrew and theology, points out that God the Son is left alone in verse 13. Until later, when Michael the angel comes to his aid, not unlike when Jesus was left alone in the desert to face temptation until later afterwards the angels came to his aid not unlike jesus would face the difficulties and bear the sin and the forsakenness of god for us on the cross so when you ask that question does god really love me when i'm facing all this and and meeting all of these challenges. I'm trying to stay faithful to your word, God, and the world just keeps coming at me. You only need to look at the cross to see that, in fact, he does love you. So what did Daniel know? He knew that God was with him. He knew that God kept his promises and would keep them. And so then what did Daniel do? Well, he responded to a sermon, actually. Jeremiah preached a sermon to the exiles. He preached a sermon to the exiles in Jeremiah chapter 29. And we've heard this text throughout this series before. When Jeremiah said this, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And so what did Daniel do? He prayed for the city that he was in. What should we do? We should pray for the city that we're in and pray for Albuquerque and pray for its welfare and for its good. For in it, we will find our welfare. God calls us to love The people of Albuquerque and New Mexico. He calls us to love our neighbors to the end of the world. He calls us to pray. Let's pray. And you know what happens when we pray? Not only does God answer those prayers... But we can come to those prayers because we know God keeps his promises. Professor J. Harvey, a Reformed theologian in New York City, said this, because you know God is powerful and keeps his promises, you can invest yourself in prayer. And when we do, God will keep his promises. But it will also change your heart and mind. When we pray, for the city that we're in it will change our heart for this city and lead us to long to share the good news of the gospel with the people around us in our schools in our homes in our neighborhoods all around us so Daniel what did he do he prayed and then he remembered He remained resolved throughout his life to not defile the name of the Lord, to live by the word of God. And he did so because he remembered the hope of eternal life that we hear in this vision. And he trusted God's mercy and he trusted that God's justice would come. And he, like Martin Luther, who would come many, many years later, stood on God's word in a like manner with his resolve as Luther did when he said, here I stand, I can do no other. In a few minutes, you'll be making a resolve, confirmands, to take a stand, to live a life like Daniel did from teen to to your 90s and beyond, to take a stand and resolve to stay true to God's word. And we can do that because of what Jesus has done. And yes, those Days that are hard will come, and sometimes they'll be frequent. But He will be with us. Chad Bird uh, talked about this in a post earlier this week. He said, When catechism comes, people have no idea that it's coming. But we can remember this as he quotes Henry Francis Light's hymn Abide with me. And Bird understands trouble. He last summer lost his son in a tragic accident. And so he says this with the depth of someone who's experienced loss when he says, and quotes this hymn, O oh, thou who changest not, abide with me. O oh, thou who changest not. The world may change and decay, but O oh, thou who changest not, abide with me. Jesus does, no matter what we can remember this everlasting promise as we walk faithfully day by day as we hear in the book of daniel our names shall be found written in the book as we call it in revelation the book of life and so leading us to everlasting life friends this life that we walk is an important one but it's just the cover and the title page, there is a first chapter about to be read, whose chapter, one after the next, will be greater than the next because of what God has done. This is the promise. This is how we live out our faith in a secular world. Because we are greatly loved, and God is with us. And so we can do what Daniel did and pray. And remember and be resolved to stand here on God's word. Amen.